Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Other Page Radio. This is Haywood Fennell here by God's Grace Triad Veterans League in association with BNN Media Services, WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. We're here today, the day before the last day. You know, it's 29 days in this month. Used to be 28, but uh, this is the day before the last day of Black History Month. Black History Month is something that, you know, I have a little problem with that because black people make history every day. And I got a black history maker today for my guests. I got a real history maker. I got Attorney Joseph Feaster, Jr. He's here. Hello, Attorney Feaster. How are you today? Hello, my good brother Hayward. Uh, and as you were stating, uh, yes, we make history. Black folks make history every day. And in fact, this is a leap year. Uh, yeah, this is a leap year. We got the 29th tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. That's our good friend, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Lord's birthday tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> Mr. G. Lord. You know, he got a birthday this year because he's a leap year baby. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But how you been? How you been, my friend? I have been well. The family is well. You know, God is good uh, all the time yeah, in terms yeah. of health. And health comes first, and then after that, we got to be able to do for our community. And so that's yeah. what you and I have been about for all the years that I've known you. And, you know, uh, I asked you before you came on about your grandson because I know I know that you love him, and you talk with him, you say, every day. Every day. And let me just ask you something, brother. What does his future look like as a black young man? Well, you know, it's interesting, I— had a meeting earlier today, and I had somewhat of that conversation. I'm, I'm a little troubled um, about where we're going as a nation and as a world. Uh, you know, oftentimes what I restate is that I'm a direct beneficiary of the civil rights movement, having come here to Boston as for college in '67, have recognized with the um, the work of Dr. King and others, and um, the Voting Rights Act and, uh, uh, and uh, the Civil Rights Act and all of that. So I thought that we had turned the corner. Um, I see, you know, dire times for our young people, particularly what's the, the conversations going now in the discourse, particularly around this election. You know, I say to some, uh, I, I believe and I hope that I'm wrong, that we're going to have a, a civil war in this country. Uh, no matter what happens in November, and I, I hope that I'm wrong. Mm. But um, all we can do is I speak to my grandson 365 days a year, mm. find out what's going on for him in school, preparing him, making sure he's educated, uh, not only academically, okay. but in terms of what uh, who he is as a black young man. Um, you know, so I think that's what our responsibility are, and, and that's something— um, I've definitely seen you execute all the years I've known you, Brother Haywood, mm. that you have uh, engendered that uh, with all young people, not only ones within your family. And I know recently you sent me pictures of the Fennell family. <laughs> I, was, I was pleased to have that. Thank um, you, brother. You know, but that's what we do. We have responsibility. We got to start with our own, right. and then we got to broaden that. So uh, I'm hopeful that— um, that this younger generation will be able to stand on the shoulders of what we've accomplished, 
uh, and just take it further. Brother Joe, you know, another thing, you know, there's a cliche that talks about uh, being in somebody else's shoes and wearing somebody else's hat. But, you know, when I look at your accomplishments, since coming from New York like May, you understand? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we remind them all the time. But I mean, for me, born in the Bronx, raised in Queens, worked yeah, in Brooklyn, yeah. partied in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We built New York. Eh? There's no question about that. Oh, that's okay. right. Come on. Now, so now, spent now. my years at Minnesink uh, and yeah, right there in the Harlem, 143rd yeah, yeah, Street yeah. between Fifth and Lenox. Oh, yeah, and then and then we got uh, you know, right in front of the Teresa Hotel on Saturdays, when all the leaders, Basil Patterson and. Mm-hmm. And, and all them people, Malcolm X and the, the Garvey movement, people would be out there. And Roy Wilkinson would be out there mm-hmm. with the soapbox man talking, man, on Sundays. I mean, Saturdays. You know, that's that's something that we don't see now. You know, we got this technology now. But what I wanted to say about you and the hats and the different shoes that you've worn, you came into this town and one of the highlights for the city, even though they didn't know that this was the— embryonic stage of your leadership, you became the president of the Boston uh, local chapter of the NAACP. Yes. I, uh, yeah. Um, and it was interesting. Uh, yeah. As I indicated, I came here in 67 for, to Northeastern University um, as an undergraduate and went on to the law school in 72. And in 74, um, the NAACP, the then president, the late Thomas Atkins, reached out to law students to get involved to help take some of the complaints with the initiation of the school busing and the school desegregation of the Boston public schools and wound up heading up and organizing that effort with law students from around the law schools in the area, eventually stayed with the branch, became voted on the board in 75, um, Tom Atkins then went on in 1979 to be the general counsel for the national um, NAACP. I was first vice president at that time, and I ascended to the uh, to be the interim president and then ran for re-election and became president and served in that capacity until 1983. Um, you know, there were some interesting times. And when you start talking about some of the leaders that we had in, in Harlem and I know you didn't mention, but we saw them. Adam Clayton Powell oh, was yeah, at, yeah, coming was down Seventh Avenue. Yeah, yeah Seventh Avenue and Abyssinia Baptist Church. <laughs> In fact, that was the first black church that I attended. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was Abyssinia Baptist Church uh, yeah. when I was 15 years old, pledging the fraternity at Minnesink in terms of the Featherman. Yeah. Uh, you know, and <laughs> and had opportunity. Um, uh, well, congressman, he was a congressman, was and, and he was a minister there, uh, the, yes, what, a pastor yes, there, yes. but he was also a congressman. He wasn't there that particular Sunday that I attended. Right. But nonetheless, we had those leaders there. Well, we had the same thing here. I served NAACP with uh, Elma Lewis and Ruth Batson and uh, Doris Bunty uh, mm-hmm. and with uh, Leon and Charlotte Nelson and with mm-hmm. Dexter Urey and Frank Bisham uh, and the Guscott, George Guscott, Ken Guscott. So we all were involved in the struggle back then. And even though I didn't get to serve with Melnia Cass or with Otto and Muriel Snowden, or Ellen Jackson, all of these people, our heroes and sheroes, many of whom I mentioned are deceased, uh, were persons who we worked with during that time. And you were right there in the middle of all of those efforts. And 
Well, all I'm doing is standing on the shoulders of those individuals. And what shoulders to stand on, though? What shoulders to stand oh. on? I mean, because, look, you're talking about when they were talking about racial integration uh, here in Boston. Uh, that was real ugly. You know, but what, what, what I really like what you said was organizing not just Northeastern students, but students from other law schools. Yes. You know, to create that force and that understanding of what we had to do, because during that time, if I'm not mistaken, Brother Joe, that's when them brothers got uh, murdered down there in Mississippi. Oh, yeah. Three, well, them three yeah. guys. Well Cheney, yeah, you know. well, Cheney, Goodwin, and Swerno. I'll never forget that. The summer right. of 1964. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't here in Boston yet. No. <clears throat> but I do remember, as as I was remarking earlier, I, while I, even though I was young, I knew, for instance— I was in the 11th grade when John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I still mm-hmm. remember that. I was 11th grade. It was about 2-something in the afternoon when that yeah. announcement was made. Um, I remember with, uh, you know, with Cheney, Goodwin, and Schroener in 1964. I didn't go to Camp Menacing that particular year, but I went the following year, 65 to 67, when I was a counselor. Mm-hmm. Things were about to change, the Voting Rights Act. And that's why I keep saying that. I have to be able to do this, um, you know, Brother Haywood, because I'm a direct beneficiary of those who died in the struggle, right. um, you know, having, like I said, coming here in 1967 and meeting up with you and the others that I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. These were all of the leaders. And the only thing I will say uh, is that I, it would be great if our young people now would understand that they should converse with us because right. we've traveled those uh, those yeah. roads. They're, right. What they're doing is not nothing new. Yeah. Uh, hopefully they're improving it, but right. they can learn from some of the things that we engaged in. This is the Other Page Radio. My name is Haywood Fennell. My guest today is Brother Joseph Feaster. We're going to be right back. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. That's what we were taught, service before self. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When is the last time you reached out for help? If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Are you a veteran who is struggling with their housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing to eligible, struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. Back again, back again with my good friend, our guest today on the other page of radio, Brother Joseph Feast, attorney at law. I mean, an attorney too, boy. He ain't no joke. But, but Joe, you know, I was just thinking about uh, when you came in, I saw that, you know, you got your little envelope with the in the Urban League, Urban League logo on there. Then, you know what I thought about? I thought about... Whitney Young was up there too on Seventh Avenue. That's right. On them Saturdays in in the Urban League on Eighth Avenue over there around the Hundred Thirteenth and Hundred Fourteenth Street, they had a, a you know an academy. Well, that's right. And 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 you were talking about I was young. Uh, I lived in 
Queens at the time, but when we would come in the hall, I still remember around 116th Street, Malcolm X on the soapbox. Yeah, yeah, down yeah. Down there on 116th Street. March number seven. Yes. Yeah, you know, so you're absolutely correct. All of these folks, and like I said, I was at Minnesink, which was part of the City Missionary Society. Youngsters from all across the city had an opportunity to not only deal at the townhouse, which then was up on Convent Avenue at yeah, one no point Convent. in time, yeah, and then yeah. we moved to 143rd Street between 5th and Lenox, right there by the Armory. I know, I know what it is. I know you know exactly. Where. There, there, there you go. That's right. Uh, and so kids from all across the city, and then we were able to go up to camp in Port Jervis, New York. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and I up, say every, upstate, every child. Upstate. Upstate, that's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, well, you know, for us, upstate is yeah, when you get to New Rochelle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> upstate right. was New Rochelle yeah, for us. Yeah, it wasn't really up there. Yeah, yeah. But, in, but uh, again, my point is that we were trying to enrich, and, and I still keep in contact. I'm with the Friends of, friends of Minnesink right now. Oh. Stay in contact with all of some of those relationships that we established, because those were the building blocks that provided for us to be able to do the types of things that we're doing. So that's why, while I didn't know you while you lived in Harlem, we are still connected. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, we knew some of the legends, man. You know, we have this thing called Recall. I could mention Hewlett and Jack to you, and then you go, (laughs) you know, you go boogity, 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 you know, because you you know about him, man, and you Mm -hmm. know that... uh, uh, I, what I was thinking when you were speaking. How about I, Reverend Ike? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just to see him coming down Lenox Avenue, yeah, that's... coming back from getting that getting that money. Daddy Grace. Yeah, yeah, right. On 25th Street. I see him on 18th Street. Da- yep. Yeah, yeah. Father Divine. That's right. Yeah, but, you know, what I was thinking when you were talking or speaking, I was thinking two things. One was I had this concept for this program a few years ago, you know, like being a writer, you know, I just write down a thought, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the thoughts was uh, Soapbox. And Soapbox would be a a project that would uh, seek to remind people of the, the, the force of the voice that we had. Then people would be on 125th Street or coming directly to stand in the crowd to hear the thoughts and the choices that we needed to make as a people. You know, uh, we were talking about Marcus Garvey and all of those people, Percy Sutton, Patterson, you know, all of those people, man, were there. And uh, the we have to now redirect that voice of voices, if you will, to try to saturate those thoughts that our kids have today to remove them and replace them so that we can have better direction to work with them. Well, you know, your point is definitely well taken, and I guess we can harken back to a different time because I would suspect that the folks that we've just mentioned were not always in in the same accord. Right. No. But but I can tell you we didn't see it. Uh, it, You know, if they didn't have, when they came out, into the public to have the conversations that you and I are having right now and you talk about your soapbox, you would think that they were in in, in total agreement about right. everything. Right, right, right. And see, what folks don't recognize now, see, my thing is we can agree to disagree. We just don't have to be disagreeable. Right. I don't have to agree with you on everything to love you, Brother Haywood. 
But yeah. in terms of, I, I would, I, but I can tell you this, we agree on most things. Yeah, I got to give you, you got to give people their space, you know. Mm-hmm. You got to give them their space. You know, you, I can make some utterances and, you know, and, and, and claim this and then later on disclaim what I claim and everything, man. But, you know, the, the way things are today, it's kind of twisted and we got to untwist. But before we got to untwist, we got to understand what we untwisting. That's right. <laughs> you know That's what right. I'm saying? That's right. You got you, you to gotta go back to the basics. Right. You know what they, what, I remember Jesse Gray. Remember Jesse Gray? The, 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 the rent strike leader in New York. And I, he was on 12th Street. Jesse Gray. People said, oh, man, they ain't going to, they ain't going to listen to you. You know, and he was like the, uh, you know, like the foreground for rent strike okay. that went all over the city. You know, people didn't understand. You have to understand the whole situation and the parts that are involved. So back to what you were saying about the people who stand on 25th Street, and it always seemed to be a lovely day. It always seemed to be a lovely day. <laughs> That's right. You know, everybody was sharp. You know, or, they, or they were cleaning in the border hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and they ease up on each other and stuff like that, right? So, uh, like you said, they didn't always agree. But they found the commonality of the problem to each one took a little piece of it and became a fist instead of the finger. That's right. To knock them out. Well, you know, and, and, and again, as we hearken back to that particular history, and I know that you've been back home mm-hmm. as I have been. I've been back in, uh, uh, when I go to New York, yeah. even though I'm from East Elmhurst, yeah. I, I go to Harlem. East Elmhurst, yeah. I know it. Yeah, up there by LaGuardia Airport. But it's station on Fort Totten, man. Come on, man. Okay, well, you know, and and so I would, I always go back in, in terms of Harlem. Harlem has changed. Yes. Harlem has changed. It's not the Harlem that I used to traverse back mm-hmm. in those 60s, Cafe 70. You know, that's right. You know, so, but, but still, um, they have the elected officials who represent Mm-hmm. Uh, that community uh, in terms of well, we have we have um, we we still have the organizations which are trying to deal with the educational aspects. Mm-hmm. There is still entrepreneurship going on on 125th Street yeah, yeah. and a lot of different. That's still a center for for some some economic activity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the neighborhood now is 100 percent more diverse uh, eth- ethnically. And racially, than ever. That lady, uh, that attorney Walker. Remember that attorney Walker? She was there. Uh, she had an office on Lenox Avenue, and then she moved on Twenty Fifth Street, Brother Joe. And her thing was to solidify uh, the uh, black entrepreneurship, the business, because she saw the changes that was getting ready to happen to on Twenty Fifth Street. Yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, I, I used to frequent up more. Uh, from about 135th Street up to about 145th, or from anywhere from mm-hmm. 5th, Lenox, uh, 7th, you know, 7th Avenue. That was more or less the areas that I was in because of Minnesink and persons who I knew up there. In fact, I had family that lived in uh, up, up, up there in Dory Miller and, mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And so, so when I would go there, and for me, not at the time, not being having a, a vehicle, so it was train and bus, for me to get there from Queens, it was like almost an hour and a half to yeah, two yeah, hours. Yeah, you gotta, yeah, yeah, I got to take several buses and yeah, take a yeah, bus and yeah. several trains, go yeah, downtown yeah, and then yeah, back uptown. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, when I did finally drive, it was 20 minutes across the Triborough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Wow. laughs> 20 yeah, minutes across yeah, the Triborough. But, but, yeah. but notwithstanding the changes, and I think that's, I'm sure that those persons who were born and raised here in, in Boston, they're saying the same thing. Right. Um, the communities that they knew have gone through transitions. But mm-hmm. what we have to do is we just got to stay in the game. Don't be the game. Stay in the game. That's right. We but, stay you know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You know, you, you hit it on the head because I was thinking about the similarities in the transformation of the two cities in black community. You know, and I, I go all the way back to uh, model cities. Yep. Uh, Paul uh, Parks. Yeah, Paul Parks here. But the guy's name was Livingston Wingates, I think. Oh, before him. That's yeah, right. Yeah, before yeah, Paul. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And and I remember mm-hmm. the. The you know the, the the foreplay and everything you know the statements that were made that this was going to be better and all of that right there you know and uh, Paul Pox was here and he was doing his whatever so uh, where are we now where are we now I'm talking mm-hmm. about housing for veterans uh, I'm talking about accommodating the veterans' needs with wraparound services for housing. And uh, I look into New York, and I remember seeing a place on 118th Street between 5th and Madison where they got a building for veterans. Mm. So that's my premise for continuously advocating for veterans to give us a building to create workforce development so that we can have a model for the other veterans' housing in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Well, I mean, you have been advocating for that with Triad Veterans as long as I have known you. And I, I thank you for your service. You served in the Vietnam War yeah. with distinction, and you have been advocating for that. Um, I just want to th- draw some parallels as well, because you you made me think about when you said model cities. I remember a gentleman, I think his, I, I think his name was Rudy Wakeham. Uh, I, know yeah. it was, I know it was a W. And he was based, he had an organization in the South End, because remember, in those 50s and 60s and earlier, that's where black folks were in, in the, the South, South End. End yeah. and, and they owned all those, that's where the clubs were, that's where they owned those, uh, you know, those buildings that were down there. They weren't triple-deckers back no, then. No, they were, no. you know, what those big, beautiful homes that they owned there. And it was around that time in the, because I remember, particularly when I was in law school, we were studying, and I met with this Rudy, I think, Wakeham, I think it was his last name, because uh, it was something housing in the name of his organization. And that's when the transition was where folks were moving out of the, the, the South End, because the, the South End was considered uh, a, 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 a ghetto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A ghetto. Okay. Um, and, and black folks were then moving to Roxbury. And so, so I... I was there for those transitions that that took place, and now you see you can't even touch the property in in in, in the South End. So when you start talking about trying to have a housing program for veterans, I think that that should be. And in fact, I as you know, I I, I sit on the advisory council of Home Base. I want to see Home Base should be able to and should assist you in that particular effort. And maybe mm-hmm. we need to have that conversation with General Hammond mm-hmm. uh, and to have a conversation with the uh, U.S. Veterans uh, Affairs 
and the and the state and the city mm-hmm. and with the mayor veteran affairs mm-hmm. that they can do that they have land they get the opera money they got a lot of different yeah. things so i think this might be the time to to, to strike on that particular issue that's brother good, haywood that's good but let me just say something before we go to commercial break let me just tell you something right uh to what you were just talking about uh the people that were in the south end and it was a ghetto and then they moved out and other people moved in and now the price is going up right so I was thinking about coming out of LaGuardia Airport in a taxi cab, coming into Manhattan. And, but Joe, I came in through, I think it was uh, 122nd Street, right over mm-hmm. there by, that's by right. Mars Park, right? Yep, that's, that's where you come out. Yeah, right. Look, I seen this white people just going in the building with their laundry and stuff, right? The houses there, a friend of mine just sold a property up there for over $2 million, right up there. And if you go up there by Mount Morris Park, you go to the churches right there, go up there and read the names of the feasters that are up there. Because my uncle's, that church that's up there on on Mount Morris, you go up there and look. My family, when they came from North North Carolina, you go up there and look at the board, you will see feasters that did it. I see where you make that turn. That's right. Yeah, yeah, I know what that is. That's right. Yeah. Because it's just that one block you can't, you know, you got you like they say you go in you can't get out. <laughs> right, but, but what I'm what I'm I'm I'm, I'm saying that uh, we have this now uh here in Roxbury where before the the, the Jewish people uh, they moved. They moved. They moved to Mattapan and then uh, yeah. out there out from Mattapan out right of the out, city. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we came in. That's right. Right. And now, some of us sold our houses, moved out, and now we got new neighbors. That's correct. That's correct. We got new neighbors. That's correct. So the same thing that we talked about from the South End, the same thing that we're talking about with regards to Harlem, is the same thing that we're talking about in terms of the the South End and we talk about in terms of Roxbury. Right. You know, and so, yeah, it— it is inevitable, and I know folks are talking about, see, but one of the things, and I just hope I don't have to run down Warren Street when I say this, if be chased down Warren Street, back then I was telling folks, buy property. Buy the property. Now, you know, I bought my house in Roxbury, 1978, $12,000. Now, that was a lot of money in 1978. Yeah. Well, the fortunate thing is, I'm still able to own it. Yeah. You know, so what my sense was trying to get people to think about making those types of investments as others did. And because, again, we've learned property is one of the ways in terms of to to build wealth. Yeah. 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 So we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back. The Oscar Micheaux Family Theater Program is a Boston nonprofit. They hope to teach the importance of community service through the art of theater. You are right, Looking to establish a year-round community-based family theater organization. You know I like talking to you. full theater oh, productions <laughs> by people from the community. For more information, you can visit www.oscarmichaudrep.tripod.com. I guess, again, you know, we, we, we don't want too many uh, commercial breaks here because... This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to talk to an official, a real, spell R-E-E-L, not R-E-A-L. We're using <laughs> R-E-E-L for Attorney Joseph Feaster, Jr. Joseph Feaster, Jr., we're so glad that you're here today. You know, uh, I was 
wrote something yesterday or the day before because you know I'm always writing something. Oh yes. And when you uh, said uh, that you bought your house, you know I, I I I was thinking about what I wrote about the Red Sox baseball cap. Mm-hmm. And that is that you know our claim to being Bostonians is reflected in what we wear on our head. A lot of people wear the Red Sox baseball cap and immediately uh, identified as being from Boston. My problem with that is that we need more than a Red Sox baseball cap because we don't own anything and we got to start owning stuff. Is it too late? Is it too late to own property and, and make the kind of investments that we need for wealth building strategies, Brother Joe? No. Uh, well, see, I will never subscribe, Brother Haywood. That is too late. Now, it may take different types of strategies, mm-hmm. different types of support. Um, I say to, you know, because um, my practice, as you know, is real estate law. Right. I, you know, I represent developers. I represent persons who are purchasing uh, residential, commercial, whatever properties. What needs to happen is that folks need to pool the resources. Right, right, okay. So maybe you start with a condo. Maybe you start with a townhouse. Maybe you get into a, um, a, a joint venture with somebody for a three-family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you each live in a unit and rent the other one. Mm-hmm. Your property is going to, in most instances, and there's been downturns in the market, but over the long run, real estate has demonstrated that it's a good investment. Uh, so you're going to appreciate, you're going to have equity. And then when you're able to, you sell that and you move on, you get something else, right. or you keep that as I was able to do and you buy something else. So I think that it's never too late. It's You have to be smart about it. Now, if you want to continue to buy $250 sneakers, mm. you know, and... And, not is, pa- and pass up the $80 ones. Yeah, well, which is your choice. I mean, yeah. people can make their choices. But the reality is the question is where do you want to spend your money? Do you want to do investment? It's just like buying the most, the fanciest car. Mm. The moment you drive it off the lot, is already depreciated. Yeah. So it's really, I think it's an education. And in fact, I just got off a call with the Urban League, um, with President Rasan Hall and with the chairman, Josh, uh, Josh Kraft and others. And we were talking about just that particular point. We want to have a program dealing with financial literacy. We mm-hmm. want to try and educate our folks to say, okay, you can spend some, save some, invest some. Mm-hmm. So I think it's an education piece. When you start asked about speaking to those young folks, my grandson, uh, when he achieves something beyond what he's supposed to do, mm-hmm. I reward him. Mm-hmm. And it may be monetarily. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask him, I say, do you want the money, or do you want me to put it in your account? He says, Grandpa, I want you to put it in my account. Right. So he's right. understanding yeah. my yeah. principle of have some, save yeah. some. And, and I think that's what we everything. have to do. Well, Joe, I've got to say a couple of things here before then. i got one other thing I want to say to you on an appreciative note. Uh, folks, this again is the Other Page Radio, uh, brought to you by Triad Veterans League. And I just want to mention the outstanding job that the Commission of Veteran Services for the City of Boston did last Saturday at the William E. Reed Auditorium up there in Grove Hall, 24 Washington Street, if I'm not mistaken, and they honored our veterans. And 
one of the recipients of the, the not one of, but the only one, recipient of the first General Edward O. Gordine Award was uh, Wilma Brown. Mrs. Wilma Brown is the widow of Ralph Brown, uh, Jr., who's no longer with us, but he did a lot, you know, on behalf of the veterans. And so while there, uh, we had a team that was collecting signatures for our petition to create a commemorative stamp out of the pictures that are part of the Black Veterans Calendar. And we need your support and signatures, and if you want to get a calendar, uh, you can give me a call at 857-204-5312. And that defrays the expenses of the Veterans Reading Brigade, which is a part of Triad Veterans League. We need your support. We're going to go forward with our petition, and we want to thank the United States Congressman James McGovern out of Worcester for his support and the letter that he provided us a couple of years ago that he suggested that we go for the commemorative stamp. And uh, former Governor Charlie Baker was there at Worcester when we brought our exhibit. If you are looking for an exhibit of history of the black military contributions, again, at uh, 857-204-5312, and we can talk about it. Uh, again, this is the other page radio for veterans, folks, and talking about veterans' issues. And every now and then we find a real veteran and a leader and a black leader in the person of Joseph Pisa, Attorney Joseph Pisa. But, Joe, I just want to—I missed the last—I uh, missed the last uh, uh, Roxbury Wise uh, fundraiser event. But I've been to one. Oh, you've been to several. Yeah, and <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm just so— Elated when I hear you talk and speak up for that organization. Uh, and I just want to say to you, we certainly appreciate your many roles in the city of Boston that you have done since 1967. Yeah, came, well, up, came up in this town in 1967 and say, oh, my goodness, it ain't New York, but it'll work. God, that's right. <laughs> well, just a, and and thank you for mentioning that. Uh, I always uh, I I have emceed that event in the past. I definitely contribute each and every. And I was at the last breakfast. In fact, I did participate on a panel. I always uh, kid him. I said, "I'm a Y kid. I grew up in the Flushing Y." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, I grew yeah. up in the Flushing Y. Flushing. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we didn't have any boys and girls clubs, and uh, you know, you, as you know, in New York, we no, had the no. P, we had the Powell. Yeah, we got the Y yeah. on the 135th Street. That's too. right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm a Y kid. So yeah. I, I mean, I learned yeah. again a lot of different things. I used to I learned ping pong, basketball. Uh, you know, in terms of how to swimming, do the rope swimming. car swimming. In terms, I went up to uh, you know. I'll I'll never be a lifeguard, but I at least can uh, swim enough. I I got up to being a shark, yeah. uh, you know, in, in in that. But um, but I also took uh, learned judo. I went around and we used to give exhibitions in the city. My good friend Jimmy Day and me, along with our senseis, we used to go around the city giving exhibitions on judo. And I tell folks, I still remember Sotogari and Ogoshi for all you folks in judo. You know what I'm talking about. And Tayatoshi, you know, you know, I still remember all the moves. I know how to kick. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Brother Joe, we want to thank you so very much for coming in. Brother Haywood, thank you for inviting me. folks, and, uh, you know, we'll get you again. But folks, you know, in closing, we want to tell you about the upcoming uh, project that we're planning for the summer months with our theater program. Uh, and also uh, to thank Brother Will Spencer, the our technical director, who's willing to teach our young people 
uh, the skill of working behind the, 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 the stage with the audio and the sound and the, the wiring of the stage, etc. We're going to bring that to you. We're going to have the Blackstone Community Center. We're also going to put together, uh, with some help from our community leaders, the uh, CUDA Literacy Enhancement Program. We're going to present the CUDA and the Magic Quilt book in the play form. We're going to use stages. Uh, Cultural Arts Center has been one of our partners, and we're going to be sending out audition information on our social media outlet. So, again, we want to thank you. This has been a wonderful program, talking to a wonderful man, a gentleman, man that is definitely, definitely a black history hero. That's Brother Joseph Feaster, Jr. God bless you, Brother Joe. Thank you. you and your family. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me, Brother Hayward. Great day. Amen. I'm Chris Jackamick. I served in the United States Air Force, and I deployed three times. Being a veteran, it's interwoven into your DNA. It's really the absence of the connection and the purpose that can really drive a lot of veterans to some uh, negative thoughts. For those who are in a suicidal crisis, the window of time to save somebody's life is very short. Our duty is to protect ourselves and protect our families. And one way you can do that is store your weapons safely. Store all your guns securely. Help stop suicide. Brought to you by End Family Fire and the Ad Council. As veterans, we're no strangers to helping others. That's what we were taught, service before self. But we do have one question for the veterans listening. When is the last time you reached out for help? If you or someone you know needs resources, whether it's for stress, finances, employment, or mental health, don't wait. Reach out. Find more information at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs. But it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is killing people. It's a powerful opioid, often made illegally and commonly mixed with illicit drugs. It can even be pressed into counterfeit pills that resemble prescription medications. Just two milligrams, about the size of a few grains of sand, could potentially be lethal. This isn't an ad to scare you, but it is an ad to make you think twice. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. Are you a veteran who is struggling with their housing due to COVID-19? Veterans, Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing to eligible, struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. 